Hey, thank you once again for joining us uh, in worship this morning. I'm so excited to uh, spend some time in God's word today. So join me in a word of prayer. Gracious and holy father, as we uh, continue to worship you um, through the preached word, the Lord, we pray that what is uh, presented to you this morning um, brings you glory and that you find uh, your servant faithful. Um, Dear God, we pray that our hearts and our minds are transformed uh, through uh, through the music, through the word, through prayer, uh, the Lord, so that we each day look more and more like you as we talk about this concept of love that translates to mercy. Um, so for that, God, we just ask you to be with us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So as the text, uh, Matthew chapter 18 uh, verses 21 through 35 have already been read. Uh, I want to lift up a title to you, um, A Love That Shows Mercy. A Love That Shows Mercy will be the title that kind of shapes our mornings together. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we um, uh, have talked about uh, this concept of uh, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. And, and part of the reason that we began to uh, kind of dive into 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 is because it was uh, the understanding that we gathered that part of our ability to live into that call as the church um, that we needed to understand what it really meant to love and what it meant to uh, love each other uh, through a uh, through a biblical lens. You know, what did the Bible have to say about love? Uh, because the reality, brothers and sisters, is that all of the things that we are called to do as a church, um, again, if love is not the undergirding foundational factor, then we are inept. We are unable to uh, live those things out uh, correctly and successfully. So as it pertains to uh, doing justice and and now today as we talk about mercy, uh, we, we are constantly reminded that love has to be uh, the motivation uh, for us being able to show mercy. This morning, as we uh, dive into this text of uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, we see that this is uh, one of the longer discourses that we see from Jesus. Uh, we know uh, thematically that at this point, Jesus is getting or nearing the end of his ministry. Um, and so at this point, the opposition uh, that he has faced um, is at an all time high. He, it is at a ground swell. The church, the, the, the synagogue leaders, the religious leaders of the time are upset with him. They are aggravated with him. And so um, the opposition is strong. But Jesus also knows that the conclusion of his ministry is upon them. Um, he knows that it is coming to an end and he knows uh, that he must do everything that he can to prepare his disciples uh, for his absence when he physically will no longer be with them. And so he is taking particular time uh, to teach them these different concepts in order to help make sure that they are prepared for when he's not around. Uh, this particular discourse is continuing to to flesh out the different principles that should define the community of believers, should define a community of faith. If we put those in today's world, today's world or words, uh, in other words, what we are seeing laid out in Matthew chapter 18 um, is really shaping and defining how the church should relate to each other in the world around it. 
as we continue to to think through what it means to be the church and live into being the church and live through our call. And so Jesus is is taking this opportunity to teach and, 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 and to sum it up nicely with a bow, what we realize in this particular uh, text, after we have just seen what Jesus has to say about how we deal with brothers and sisters who are in repent or unrepentant in their sin. Um, he, he, he goes on to remind us uh, at the end of chapter 18 that the, that the purpose or the most important parts of discipline is to usher folks into a place of restoration. In other words, when we um, are disciplining folks, when we are holding people accountable, it's not to the end of dispelling as opposed to uh, the hope is that the, that the forgiveness, that the mercy being shown, that the discipline that is happening really calls people back. Back into right relationship with God and the body. And so for those who are uh, sincerely repenting, uh, there is a place for them. The interesting part about this is we see uh, in verse 21 that Jesus is continuing to raise the bar. And in verse 21, it says this. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? He asked. Jesus responds. He said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. The first thing that we see is that there is a continual raising of the bar. There's a continuing upping of the ante. The standards are continuing to be raised. They aren't being lowered. They aren't being drawn back. But what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that we have to be better, do better, um, and, and, and to raise the bar over what the religious leaders of that time had been doing. And brothers and sisters, I believe that is something that we need to do today. Old, Old Testament uh, uh, studies will tell you that uh, that three times forgiving somebody for sinning against you three times was the standard. And that at the fourth time, the person could be uh, not forgiven, that you have fulfilled your duty to any given person by forgiving them three, three times. I think that Peter thought that maybe he was doing something awesome when he suggested to Jesus because he knew that Jesus would understand what the Old Testament thought process was. In a, in a time where they were no longer uh, uh, requiring blood sacrifice, blood sacrifices. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, seven times should I forgive a person who sins against me seven times? Because Peter now has, has doubled uh, plus what is normally expected. He probably thought that he was doing something great. And then Jesus says to him, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. We see that Jesus continues again to raise the bar. Uh, you have heard it said, as he said earlier, uh, an eye for an eye. But he says that if someone strikes you, you turn to them the other cheek. We, we are called and challenged to go the extra mile. Jesus is saying that we just can't settle for what's good enough, but we must strive to be better 
and better and better and better. So he so once again, he has raised the bar. Brothers and sisters, part of the call of the church is that we have to live to a higher standard. We we can't accept well enough. We can't accept just being good, but we must constantly strive to set ourselves to the bar that Jesus has set. Brothers and sisters, but part of what makes that so hard for many of us is because oftentimes we compare down instead of comparing up. I'm going to say that again. We compare down instead of comparing up. Well, what do I mean by that? It's it's easy for us uh, to feel good about who we are and what we're doing when we compare ourselves to people uh, that seem to be doing worse than what we are. We we allow ourselves we give ourselves some sense of moral high ground because we're able to say, hey, I know I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not doing that. Uh, But brothers and sisters, we are called to to not compare ourselves to other fallen sinners because we all have seen and fallen short of the glory of God. We are to compare ourselves to the son of God to whom there was no flaw to whom there was no error and when we compare up <laughs> then we are constantly reminded that we will always be in the need of mercy and we can't allow ourselves to 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 be so self-righteous that we don't recognize that even our best selves and our best days our our best dressed moments that we still need the grace of God it kind of reminds me of uh, here recently. Uh, I went to the dentist, and and I uh, needed to get a crown. And in the process of getting the crown, what I didn't know is they have uh, these uh, uh, these porcelain uh, images of teeth that they compare to your tooth to make sure they get the right color, so that that their one tooth is not standing out against the other. Now, brothers and sisters, I was pretty sure that my teeth were pearly white until the dentist brought out this this palette with varying colors. And, and when I saw the particular tooth that represented the brightest, whitest tooth uh, <laughs> and I saw the one that actually matched uh, my teeth, I was reminded that it's easy to think that everything is right and perfect when you're comparing it to to nothing or you're comparing it to something worse. But when we begin to look up, when we begin to compare up, we are constantly reminded that there is a, a, a standard that we are called to that we must work to get to every single day. And that we can only do that with the help of Jesus. And so this text starts out with this reminder that we cannot settle for less, that we cannot settle for being subpar, that we have to constantly strive to reach the standard because Jesus has raised the standard. He has upped the ante and we are called to try to attain it for the sake of the kingdom. When we get to verse 23, it goes on to say this. Jesus begins to tell this parable after he uh, says to them, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. He goes on to say, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Brothers and sisters, the, the next thought that I am reminded of in this text is this. We owe a debt to the master that we cannot pay. It is believed that that this ten bags of uh, uh, this ten thousand bags of gold uh, that was owed to the master by this particular servant will be the equivalent to two point five billion dollars today. Two point five billion dollars. This servant was indebted to the master. And, and, and when it came time to settle accounts, when it came time to pay the piper, as they would say, uh, this servant fell short. Uh, and he fell short in such a way that he deserved whatever punishment was coming. And at the time, the, the appropriate punishment would be to sell he and his family um, into slavery and servitude in order to pay back the debt. But the reality, brothers and sisters, was that this servant, there wasn't enough time in the world to pay back the debt uh, that was owed. I don't know about you, but this kind of reminds me of us, brothers and sisters, that we owe a debt to our master, to God that we cannot pay. Uh, the brothers and sisters, the reality is, is like the scripture tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we are all born into sin. We uh, have been sinning since uh, uh, since the beginning of time. But somehow uh, our God loved us so much that he saw fit to send down his son, Jesus Christ. To pay our debts. And so, brothers and sisters, we have this gift of salvation. Our debt has been paid. Uh, our debt has been canceled. God has uh, forgiven us our sins. He has washed us clean. He has washed us white as snow. Uh, we have this free gift of salvation that we cannot buy. We cannot earn. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't expect something from us. That there is no way that we can repay the debt that we owe. But as a as a thanks offering, as a as a as a gift of praise, as a as a as a life transformed by by a sacrifice so big. God expects us to, to, to live a life that is reflective of a transformed and changed heart. We see that this servant uh, got on his knees and he and he begged and he pleaded. He said, be patient with me. I will pay you everything back, even though it was impossible for that debt to be paid. It didn't say that the master reduced the debt. It didn't say that he put him on a uh, income based repayment program. It said that he canceled the debt and let him go. Gave him an opportunity to, to live a new life that was debt free. Brothers and sisters, I think that one of the, the most uh, thankful or the most God honoring things that we can do as we have been given this new life in Christ is to live lives that are reflective of the magnitude of the sacrifice that he has for us, that he has given for us. What does that look like to you? 
What what does it look like to be tra- tra- transformed as you as you consider the way that you went about life before you had that life transforming moment with Jesus Christ? Has has anything changed about the way that you walk? Has anything changed about the way that you talk? Has anything changed about the way that you love and the way that you engage the world and the community around you? But most importantly, has anything changed about the way that you show mercy? Because again, brothers and sisters, oftentimes we allow ourselves in, in, in the midst of our growth and in the midst of our maturation uh, to forget where we came from. To forget that we were once wretched sinners. We... We, we, we are in church so long. We've been in service for so long. We've been deacons and elders and ushers and things so long that we forget what it was like. And allow that moment of forgetting to, 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 to allow us to judge those. And, 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 and one of the places that it shows up is in our inability to show mercy to those who need it most. Because we often forget that we are constantly in need of mercy as well. It's funny, as the text goes on, after his debt is forgiven and he is let go and he has been forgiven of all of his debt and he has this new pass on life, this very same servant, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, found a fellow servant, a fellow brother who owed him a hundred silver coins. And we know uh, just even between the difference in silver and gold that what he was owed paled in comparison to what it was that he owed the master. It says, uh, it says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? Brothers and sisters, what this lets me know is that we should show mercy as a response to the mercy that has been shown to us. That we are called as believers to be merciful because God has shown us mercy. You know, the golden rule falls short because we will often say do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But I believe that is not far enough. I believe that maybe we should reshape it and reform it and say do unto others as we would have God do unto us. 
Because in our weakest moments, in our moments of despair, we are constantly asking God to forgive us over and over and over. We are constantly asking God to help change us and sharpen us and make us better. Because we often fall, like the old gospel singer Donnie McClurkin said, we fall down but we get up. Brothers and sisters, the Christian life and the Christian journey is one that is filled with mistakes. But God gives us another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. And the best thing that we can do to show how thankful we are to God for the mercy and forgiveness that he has shown us is to be merciful to those who wrong us and who mess up. The, 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 the biggest uh, example of a transformed heart. Is living a transformed life that gives other people the mercy and the space that they need to be transformed. Brothers and sisters, if we compare the sacrifices that we are called to make to the sacrifice that Jesus made, we will always be reminded that what we sacrifice can never match up. Because even though as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to bear a cross daily. We've never been asked to be nailed to the cross. And so even in my most uh, 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 self-righteous moment, I have to be reminded that even though I may be sacrificing and this sacrifice is causing me, costing me something, it will never cost me crucifixion. When we compare how we've been offended when people have sinned against us, when people have wronged us, it'll never, never compare to how offensive our sin is to God. Yet God, our creator, loved us so much he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us because his love for us was so strong. That no offense could carry us away from him, could separate us from him. And, and so, so he sends his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice to pay all of our debts, my debts, your debts, the, the debts past, present and future. He pays the debt for humanity, one that humanity could not bear the weight of. He, he, he shows us a mercy through action that gives us all the opportunity to live free of the debt of sin that we owe. That gives us the opportunity and life and freedom in Christ. But, but, but that freedom that we have accepted binds us to the work of the cross, which means that we are called to forgive and show mercy the same way. We, we are called to show mercy to those who don't even deserve it. Or those who don't even fully appreciate it. I, I've heard mercy described like this. Mercy is not giving somebody something that they deserve. In our most hurt and offended moments, we, we, we may be justified in some of the ways that we want to respond. But our God is calling us to show mercy. 
Even though people's decisions and lives can sometimes call for a certain response, we are called to respond in love and mercy and forgiveness. Because the mercy that we show, the forgiveness that we show uh, could be the, the, the moment that a person's life is transformed. That, that through the mercy that we extend, that people have an opportunity to see a tangible picture of the love that Jesus Christ has for them, dear Lord. And we are obligated to present people opportunities to respond to the love of Jesus Christ. So when we, we think about doing justice and we, uh, uh, we, we've talked about that for the past couple of weeks, when I think about loving mercy, we are called to, to, to be invigorated by mercifulness. So even in those moments where we are justified in our anger and, and justified in our response, we are called to raise the bar. We are called to forgive. We are called to show mercy, even if by human standards, people don't deserve it. Because brothers and sisters, we didn't deserve the sacrifice that was made for us. We, 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 we didn't earn it. We, we, we couldn't do anything like the rich young ruler who said, what must I do to be saved? The reality, brothers and sisters, there's, there's no thing that we do other than accepting the free gift that was given to us. That we are called to extend. Is your life, is your expression of Jesus Christ one that's full of mercy. Let's pray. Gracious God, we uh, know that we often fall short. We know that it's easy to find a moral high ground, dear Lord, when we decide we are better. But dear Lord, but in those moments when we find ourselves being self-righteous, when we find ourselves uh, being holier than thou, dear Lord, remind us that when we compare ourselves to your son, Jesus Christ, there will always be work to do. Keep our hearts and our minds humble. Let our lives be lives that are marked with mercy. Let the mercy that we show be the thing that the world needs to feel your presence. In your son, Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Since
God, we are reminded that your mercies are new every day, that there is no limit to your forgiveness, and we are thankful for that. So as we uh, prepare to go about our days, Lord, we simply ask that the God of mercy and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest rule and abide between each of us until we gather again go in peace serve the Lord show mercy amen